conversations around wellness and weight loss can be complicated. There's the Instagram filter we all see on IG and social media, and then IRL. And between $20 smoothies and daily ice baths, everyone is doing the most to hack the health system. But there's a better way. Row. Row provides access to the most popular weight loss shots on the market. Over 200,000 people have already chosen Row to help them lose weight. And you can sign up from the comfort of your own home. No scheduling a doctor's appointment, commute to the doctor's office, and no waiting rooms. The Row Body Program pairs a weekly shot with healthy lifestyle changes so you can lose 15 to 20% of your weight in a year on average and actually keep it off. Of course, medication must be paired with diet and exercise modifications in order to achieve any stated results. Medication cost is not included in the program. Patients must pay for medication separately. With Roe, average weight loss is 15 to 20% in one year with healthy lifestyle changes. BMI and other eligibility criteria apply. Go to roe.co slash andysgirls. You can sign up today and you'll pay just $99 for your first month and $145 a month after that. Medication costs are separate. That's ro.co slash andysgirls. Sign up today. I may shine bright like a diamond, but this moonbeam glows from within. I may write about culture, but I'm not afraid to read a bitch. (laughs) (laughs) You've got Oh, class is in session. The library is full, and we're going to write a few books today, you guys. You guys, it's Andy's Girls. It's episode 250. Three, oh my god, what a Which is so fucking weird and wild and crazy and amaze. And I am so excited to be joined by one of my favorite creators of poetic justice, <laughs> shall we say. The senior culture writer at Vice. Madame Alex Zaragoza. <laughs> Alex, how are you? Oh my God. That your intros are always like <laughs> I get I feel like my credit score improve. I feel my pores get smaller. I feel my uh eczema clear up. <laughs> it's amazing. Oh my God. It's miracles. You Thank know, you. am I mo- the Mother Teresa of Bravo podcast? I'm not saying it, but I'm also not not saying it. You know what? If someone has to say it, might as well be you. Thank you. It's like a real, you know, my hope is that they call next season of Beverly Hills Miracles on Ice. But if they don't, that's like every moment recording with my nice chilled plastic bottle of Poland Spring. Nice. Shout out trees and the world and weather and, and whatnot and Very bodegas nice. whatever bodega you bought that out oh my Shout god out. shout <laughs> out you know we do this thing on andy's girls called uh small business satchels which we'll get to at the end of the episode where we highlight our favorite possibly local businesses companies restaurant bars because during this crazy time small businesses are hemorrhaging and as a small business myself i totally am one of them but i have to just say a small business you know, shout out Mazel of the day to every bodega 
in New York City. Every bodega holding it down. You know, this is how, you know, immigrants come here, open bodegas, and they, they're able to support their families. They are able to thrive. They get my hungover ass fed mm, with a bacon egg and Everybody cheese, drunk. Soda everybody water drunk. on deck, you know. Flowers. If yeah. it's the, the, you know, there are two things that you can typically get cheap and good in New York. One is a mani-pedi. The second is a dozen roses. Oh yeah, I buy them off the lady. On the, yeah, the cart. There's a woman that by my apartment that has mm-hmm. like her shopping cart where she um, sells her flowers, and they're these beautiful flowers. Yep. And she's like, "Oh, ten bucks for like two dozen." Yeah, literally. And I'm just like, "Ma'am, thank you." And I throw in an extra five because I just appreciate <gasps> her. I just love that. Oh my out. god, I love that. Got to support, and especially like it's, sometimes it's like eight bucks for these like beautiful wildflowers, and I'm like, "Take an extra five. Thank you for not being Whole Foods." You Just know, in yeah, spirit, also in spirit, in body, in every single way. Yeah. Amen. And for the ages who do not know what a bodega is, how would you describe a bodega? What would you what's your definition mm-hmm. of a bodega specific to New York City? Um, yeah, see where I'm from, we typically call them liquor stores, like or like a liquor store deli. Mm. Um, because I'm from Southern California. So we don't have like quote unquote bodegas. Mm. Um, in Mexico, where I'm also from, a bodega is literally a warehouse, which is, you know, same thing. Oh, wow. But, um, but yeah, so here it's like a place where it's like a little convenience shop, um, mm-hmm. in a way where they have a deli counter, but it also mm-hmm. has like, uh, you know, the sort of not base level, but like second, third up from base level of like household mm-hmm. goods and, um, and some food and stuff like that. So you could like, Oh, I'm out of sugar. I'm out of detergent. Oh, mm-hmm. but I also want a sandwich. Oh, but also let me get a pack of cigarettes and possibly a vape. Um, also, like, <laughs> also maybe some condoms and a vibrator or a dildo. Like, some t- listen, they literally vary. whatever you. And there's always a little, a gentle markup, just a friendly markup. Would it cost okay. less money to get that bottled water from Seen Town? Possibly. But you support your local boat. It's the yeah. tax you pay for the smile. You for know the, what I'm saying? For the smile, for being called. I mean, I know some people Sweetie. don't like these princess. No, I love sweetheart. it. I I'm love like, it. I'm yay. I'm like in there in like sweats and like different colored socks and slides mm-hmm. or whatever. And he's like, hey, princess. And I'm like, thank you. Like, I'm like... <laughs> Like I'm out here like, oh, wow. You know, you got to pet the bodega cat. No bodega. I mean, some bodegas don't. Have oh, I would never pet the bodega cat. You I never, would never. I've, pet, no, I've no, given absolutely. a little, I've given it a little like no. head. Stay away. Really? Absolutely not. No, oh, absolutely I got to do. I wash my hands afterwards just because, you know, <laughs> yeah. but still. I mean, it is a it is a cultural touchstone for New York City. I actually saw Andy Cohen posted on his IG stories. He went to dinner last night with SJP and posted a photo of SJP at a bodega in their area buying herself a whatever. And she was very sparkly in her SJP shoes. Shout out Manolo Blahnik, where they, you know, were inspired by <laughs> many of the designs. I just really, you know, I we all appreciate it brings New York City and the culture together. So just shout out, just a special, we have specific small business satchels, which we'll get to at the end end of the episode, but just shout out 
every bodega, my corner bodega, I've lived in this apartment that I'm recording in for over 10 years. Do I know the name of the bodega on my corner? Absolutely, I do not. Have I been there hundreds of times? A hundred percent, yes. And that is, that's the sign of an excellent bodega. I know the guys inside. Couldn't tell you the name of it. The technical yeah. name, I have hundred percent no idea. I can Couldn't never tell, tell you the name, but I know that sometimes they'll give me a free can of Coca-Cola. And I'm oh, like, oh, okay. Thanks, yeah, they'll be like, don't worry about it, sweetheart. Don't worry about it, sweetheart. Have a, you have a good day. And I'm just like, cool. <laughs> and I'm like, ah. There have been times, I don't think it wasn't this bodega. It was a bodega across the street, rest in peace, that's now a TD bank. But um, there was a time where, of course, we all go through these things where it's like, I don't have cash or I literally do not have money in my uh, banking account where they're like, just give me money later. Honestly, like they always do that. Build up a little tab. Don't worry about it. Give it to me whenever we Mm -hmm. know you. We technically know where you live. Like, no problem. (laughs) And I appreciate that. It's sort of banking. Bodega. Banking by Bodega, which I appreciate because I uh could use you know a savings account or whatever yeah and sometimes even like their card reader yeah their card reader is down they're just like don't even worry about it and it's like a trust you build trust Mm -hmm. because they know you build trust they know you'll get them back if even if you don't have the cash right there or if the card readers Mm -hmm. aren't they know they they know you they see you at your best and your worst I see you at your grossest, at your smelliest, probably. <laughs> oh, my God. I'm going to have to walk by my bodega that, again, the name of which I do not know, but shout out you. You guys know where you are. You know where you exist. I'm not going to say your address out loud, but I'm just going to think to myself, the bodega right there, and I'm going to say hi today, I think. I actually did go in there the other day to get lottery tickets because I've approached the new chapter of um, pandemic related poverty where I was like, maybe I'll win. I don't know. And I literally oh wow, <laughs> bought lottery tickets. The next day I checked the numbers and I swear to fucking God, I still haven't thrown away the tickets. I swear to God, this was my number one instinct was like, wow, I think my tickets might be, I think I got like the wrong tickets because none of my numbers match. Like, I was like, I think there's something wrong. Like, I genuinely had a thought to myself, like, oh, wow. Like, maybe I need to get these redone for the thing that happened because not a single number matches. And then I was like, wait a second. That's the point of this is that we didn't come close. Listen, everybody's brain is a tub of ricotta. Sometimes it's gravy. Sometimes it's just uh, a bunch of uh, mashed up candies in there that like Mm -hmm. got sweaty in a pocket for years and Mm -hmm. you forgot about them. My brain is full ricotta. It's full ricotta brain. Um, also just shout out, speaking of candies, shout out to bodegas for carrying candies that have expired at some point in the mid nineties. I, it's my number one favorite (laughs) thing. There was a corner store really wasn't a bodega, but it was like a bodega plus when I used to nanny back in the day that had Dunkaroos. This is like several years ago. And I would go in there and I would get my fucking dunk the the best. And I had a process since I was 10 and I picked it up like it was yesterday. You have you eat all the graham crackers except for one. They do not touch the frosting. Maybe that you dabble and then you save that last cracker, cookie, whatever, and you fucking dunk the shit out of it, ladle it, the frosting into your mouth. It is 
it is a joy. It is a wonder. It is, I can't have it anymore because of some dietary whatever, but it is all the gluten, all the dairy, all the sugar, all the chemicals a girl could ever dream in her life. Mm. That was my, that was a great bodega on the Upper West Side. Shout out you guys. You're probably close at this point because it's been several years, Aww. but um, may your memory be a blessing yes. is what, I, what my people will say. Yeah. I've never had Dunkaroos, but um, they sound oh, very God. good. Oh, the absolute best. What was your favorite childhood candy? Um, I'm extremely Mexican. So it's all like tamarind, salty, spicy candy. There's like tamarind. Yeah. I I literally, this is how I just honestly thought of Tamara Judge in that moment. Oh, tamarind, the spice. Uh, No, it's not a spice. It's like a, it's a a fruit tamarind with a D at the end. Tamarind Judge. Oh, like a nectarine? (laughs) No, 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 no. It's like. Come, oh my come, god, you guys are the whitest you are the whitest person in the in America. Right <laughs> <now>. <laughs> Wait, you guys, isn't it like an orange? No, no, no. It almost looks like um Oh no. It almost looks like a snow pea thing, but it's like big and um bigger and it's brown and it has a hard um hard uh shell that you crack through and the inside the fruit part it's almost like um pasty with seeds in it and you take that paste and you make candy out of it but it's also used in a lot of mexican dishes and a lot of indian dishes um uh yeah like my mom would put like make a uh, chutney tamarind stuff like for turkey i know it's it's very popular in like uh and yeah, in especially Indian and Mexican cuisine. But and does it have candy. almost like a licorice licorice? No, 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 I'm not even. I'm like literally trying to pull shit from like things I've seen. I'm trying I, to think of not an orange. It's not even an orange. What am I? What's an orange that begins with a T? You guys are gonna slide into my DMs and let me know. I know tangerine. that I know that there is something tangerine. There's something else, oh, but it's not a clementine. Tumalo, tumalo, something like that. Is that it? might be what it is. Yeah, I think where it's like, like a teeny tiny little baby one. I think that's it, but I yeah, I don't I don't remember. But tamarind candy is what we what I ate a lot of it. Years there are things called pulparindos, chaca chacas, mm. um, mm. uh, pelon. Like there is just all this candy based off the same like mm. kind of fruit that they you know make into a pulp. They spice it. You could have a, a martini made of tamarind, and it's so delicious. Mm. Because it's like sort of a salty, sweet, tangy uh, flavor. So it's not quite sweet. You have to sweeten it, but it also has like a little kick to it. And we often add spice to it. Oh, so that's I'm what I need to Google the fuck out of this. That sounds One delicious. day, let me, like, I, I will make you a little care package, especially oh God, when I go love. home. Yeah. And I don't know. Yeah. It's not for everybody. Like my boyfriend, who's Puerto Rican and Italian, when I'm like, have some. And he's just like, uh, like he does not like it, but it's not for everybody. Um, my new hinge bio, not for everybody. Not for every, like a tamarind, I'm not for everybody. <laughs> for a discerning palate, <laughs> swipe right. Um, listen, I, as much as I would love to continue talking about food stuff and bodegas, and which uh, all the AGs are just clamoring for more, and I can feel it. I can feel that energy in their vibes. And guys, maybe I'll do a Patreon just yeah. to put it to my favorite objects, uh, art from uh, bodegas, but there. There's so much for us to discuss, and I have to say that it has been a shit show in the Bravo community in the last 24 hours. J-Rod, rest in peace, but they have now risen like a phoenix from the ashes of TMZ. Jennifer Lopez, an 
A-Rod mm-hmm. broke up for like a solid 30 to 45 minutes or whatever. Like literally we've had less than a 24 hour cycle We're recording this Saturday morning. They broke up. Page six broke it. Page six did it, an updated thing that the primary reason, the inspiration behind their breakup was the Michigas with Southern Charm star Madison LaCroix, uh-huh. who her situation with Alex, their friendship, whatever, went a little bit viral after following the Southern Charm reunion. Uh, allegedly that inspired this breakup, except they're not maybe actually broken up because literally five minutes before we started recording news broke that like JK, this might not be a definite split, but like something's cooking. And that literally, I was walking down Madison when I got the news of the breakup yesterday, I yelled, I stopped, I stopped walking on Madison, the Avenue in New York city, not the blonde. Um, <laughs> Were you uh, walking on Madison LaCroix? down South? Um, no, I am not, uh, Austin. So I try not to walk all over Madison. Wow. But, um, <laughs> but I just like, honestly, it got me so hot and heated for the rest of the day because I was like, oh, this is like injecting into my veins. And then I rewatched the episodes of Dallas, Jersey, Atlanta in advance of this recording. And it just made me feel like a little extra energy. I feel like Bravo this week was the gift that keeps on giving. Yeah, um, I know. I'm going to literally read you the transcript from the Slack message at, in my work Slack, in the culture Slack. Mm-hmm. 4.29 p.m. Oh Wait, gosh. all caps. They're going to do this at 4.30 on a Friday? <laughs> no. And then somebody dropped Jose Canseco's tweet. Alex oh Rodriguez, God. stop being a piece of shit. Stop cheating on Jennifer Lopez. <laughs> Oh my! Uh, the, he's never been oh. more current in his life I love than it. literally the last 24 hours today. Yeah, he, I mean, he's so gross, but that I was just like, eh. like I had one, I was like, <laughs> I'm sorry. First of all, I was, I mean, I made, was joking, like, you know, everyone alert every like, a, like hot blonde fitness babe to check their <laughs> DMs. But oh wait, they've been checking those DMs because those DMs been hot for a while, right? For a yes. minute. But yes, yes. No, that was such big news. I was like, holy shit! Um, if this if this is big, because this will be a big like Bravo thing, right? Like mm-hmm. some Bravo reality star like literally causing the breakup of like two of the biggest power couple, like the biggest power couple. One of them, like it would, it's it's big. And it's also like, damn, Madison LaCroix. Okay. And you know what? Some people might focus on the like J-Lo is a once in a lifetime kind of superstar. She is an entertainer. She's a dancer. She's a singer. She's an actress. She's a producer. She's a CEO. She's a, and it's like, are we lowering her by talking about someone who is only this past season a full-time cast member on Southern Charm? I don't think about it that way. I think about it through the lens of, like, it doesn't – listen, first off, Jennifer Lopez did not do a fucking thing wrong in this situation according to everything we've heard and read. And it's not about, like, she is such a big star, we shouldn't be, like, talking in relation to Southern Charm with her. I think about it as this is – 
like Bravo is on the pulse of culture. Yeah. Like truly, this is a niche announcement that Bravo super fans are flipping out about because we understand it in a way that, you know, people who are only like A-Rod fans, I don't know, right. or like people who only listen to J-Lo's music may not get. Where they're all asking who's Madison LaCroix, we know about her son. We know yeah. that she just oh, is opening up her own salon. Like, we know everything that there is to know. We are yeah. the experts in this dynamic. Right, because Bravo, it's like, it's like the perfect intersection of like, if you're into a lot of different things. And you know what, to me, this is a very prime example of like, I, I'm not into that whole like, oh, Madison's below or this and that, like, you know, right, it's whatever, stupid. whatever. Yeah. But the thing is like, isn't this the way it goes? Like people are always like shocked that like Jude Law would cheat on Sienna Miller with this, with this nanny man, yeah. or whatever. It's mm -hmm. just like, hey, let's, let's not be elitist. Let's not be mm -hmm. classist, B. If we know anything, it's that men don't give a fuck. Like men do yeah, not men give a fuck. Men are dogs. Men are dogs. Listen, they like everyone's like, she's not even pretty. Like what like people will say oh, so, fuck and, that. there's always these conversations, but right. certainly with Madison. Madison's obviously gorgeous. Right? Gorgeous. But mm -hmm. like, you know, people will have these conversations of like, oh, like men will cheat and it won't even be anybody. It's like it doesn't matter who it is. And like part of me is just like, that's gross and mean, but also like there's truth to that in that, like, if a man wants to cheat, he's going to cheat. It doesn't matter if you're mm -hmm. Jennifer Lopez. It doesn't matter if you work at the bodega. It doesn't matter mm -hmm. if you are Queen Rania of Jordan. It doesn't matter. Mm -hmm. I don't know what's happening with that. I'm not saying and <laughs> implying anything. But it doesn't matter if you're <laughs> Kate, Princess Kate or whoever, mm -hmm. you know, your man's going to cheat on you. Like if you're, if your man wants to cheat on you, he's going to cheat on you and he's going to find somebody willing that he's into. And it, it doesn't have to be whatever, like it doesn't right. matter, you know? And it doesn't have to, I think about it through the lens of like celebrity news and media when it comes to like, why, how was Jennifer Lopez finding herself in a tabloid explosion dealing with a person from a Bravo reality show? No, it's But funny. I think of it, it's, oh, oh my God. But I think of it through like a lot of men, not all men, but like let's pretend, want more it has nothing to do with their partner spouse girlfriend significant other whomever when it comes to these kinds of heteronormative relationships uh -huh. the man is looking for more or other yeah so it's like you right. could literally be stooping an angel sent from heaven and he is going to be sliding into the DMs of like her cousin who lives next door. You know right. what I'm saying? It doesn't matter. Yeah, they are trash. They want, it's like the need for more attention, more because if they feel in any way, like they're not getting enough or because more, most often than not, like I, I have this conversation there's going to be the, you know, in relationships and normal ass relationships, you know, mm -hmm. um, I, I'm not one of like immediately be like the cheater is the dog and the horrible person, this and that, mm -hmm. like mm -hmm. things lead up to relate in relationships. Oh yeah. There's nuance. There's things nuance. happen, right? Mm -hmm. In situations like this, where it's like Alex, A-Rod, Alex Rodriguez, A-Rod has forever been trash. Like he's always been a womanizer. That's his thing, right? 
forever this has been thing and like the thing is like you're you're absolutely right because it's like it's the more like they want more attention they mm-hmm. want to like even in dating someone like jennifer lopez is obviously beautiful obviously has um Stunning. some you know has her talent has her mm-hmm. prowess and everything but if he's not for some reason is just like oh i i still want to know i could get this more i still want somebody to you know coax me or like uh mm-hmm. you know stroke my ego whatever it mm-hmm. is like they're always going to, they're like, if they want more, they're going to find it. And there's always going to be somebody willing to give it to them, especially if it's somebody that's like, you know, handsome and rich and whatever, you know, there's always going to be mm. what like women or whoever um, out there willing to give it. And so uh, it's just kind of like, holy shit. Cause these are such like normal relationship issues heightened by mm-hmm. a million percent because they're rich extremely rich extremely famous extremely public people but yeah it is funny when you're just like jennifer lopez madison lacroix like what a triangle it also feels like in some ways listen at the end of the day these are actual real people and it's hard to remember that because i was all hopped up on the headlines and the whatever and there's like a wink and a twinkle in my eye as i'm talking about this because it is you think about it through like and we love you it. know it's like the outline of a person we're not actually talking about who they are and, and you know uh, there's that but there is for people who are in the public eye such an immediate strain on their relationship because people are going to constantly hypothesize talk potentially start rumors whatever regardless of the health and um uh positivity that exists in the reality of the relationship there is just always going to be a complication when you involve a community of people who do not exist in your daily life talking about your relationship nothing is ever perfect and I don't want to say that's the price you pay for fame but I do think it is the reality of people who exist on a public platform you are going to get pushback because people are going to talk yeah it reminds me a lot of what is going on in New Jersey because I rewatched this episode thinking about this whole Evan and the gym thing which continues to be a very odd look when it comes to the language that Teresa was initially using. But I look at some of Jackie and Evan's responses, which are like, this is so damaging. It's so terrible that she started these rumors and I don't disagree. And yet the strategy that they're using this week, which I'm sure they do believe of like, this could harm Evan. She's doing, you know, it could harm him professionally. He works in finance. There's still, you know, stuff that can happen with his career that he wants to do and rumors affect him. And I think number one, like that is so adorable that there's an idea oh, that fine. men that finance work in finance like- have to be. And <laughs> if only that was, but maybe it is. Maybe Bro. in his very specific financial firm, that is the Ooh. thing. And I don't begrudge him for that. But your wife went on reality TV and I'm not saying she deserved to have this happen. I'm not saying he deserved to have this happen. I'm not saying I believe it. I definitely do not. But I think it is a wild strategy to say so many times or have it addressed so many times this week and on the after show as well. 
that this is going to harm him professionally rumors when your wife is on the real housewives of New Jersey. Yeah, it seems unrealistic. I mean, listen, it's like um, when you're in the public eye and uh, your relationships are in the public eye, the scrutiny is going to be very hard. That's mm-hmm. the double-edged sword of fame, right? Where they ter- you people cheer on your relationship and then they'll turn on you very quickly. The media, like the tabloid media, will turn on you very quickly and Mm -hmm. you know you see this when you think of like uh you know Meghan Markle like the way she was treated in terms of like her relationship Mm. with Harry and stuff like the tabloid media is very gross Mm -hmm. and that is very hard to deal with I could not imagine I'm so glad I'm a nobody and I I would certainly not I do not have the mental health to be able to uh, handle something like that but you know they make a choice to be in certain professions and of course, like that doesn't mean that they um, that they have no right to their humanity. Um, sure. You know? But then there's also, you know, there's those things. I is it's hard because it's like, well, it's to be expected, but also we need to demand better, maybe for for something because like these are human beings, right? Um, and that's horrible. But like, it's horrible to be treated in such a way where like your tragedies and your like you're expected just to give so much. And as myself as like a natural people pleaser that wants like, I just want everybody to have the best fun. And like, if I choose the bar and the bar turns out to be shitty, I am like racked with guilt because I'm like, I chose a bar. I made the night bad for everyone. Mm-hmm. Like I'm exactly like the most anxious in that regard. Right. Mm-hmm. And um, so that's like hard because it's like, yes. Um, and like in a general sense, it's hard because it's like the scrutiny is real. You do deserve some of your privacy and some of your private life and to be respected. Uh, but it's also part of the game. So there's like a big structural thing there. And re- with regards to um, with Jackie, it's just kind of, yeah, the like, we're worried about a finance, like, come on, dog. Like, <laughs> part of me is just like, that's not, is that so, that's what you want to do. Listen. All she had, like, literally, it didn't have to get into, like, career stuff because I feel like I agree with you. It's just kind of like, nah, I don't think so. But at the end of the day, what Teresa did base level was already just shitty. You don't go to someone's birthday party that you're invited to with somebody you're trying to rebuild a relationship. Immediately start telling everyone that everyone with a earshot, except for her, like, I heard this and like to articulate it so like jankily, like just to be like, I heard he does stuff. Like, what the fuck are you talking about? You know, it was already bad enough as it is. I wouldn't worry about, I would like my argument if I was in her shoes, I'd be like his job, whatever. Granted, he might work at the purest, most non-disgusting finance institution. Mm -hmm. I Mm -hmm. have my doubts, but whatever. But at the end of the, the day, that's her relationship. That's her family. That's her her children's father mm-hmm. like that and en- that's enough that's enough of an argument it's not okay to do this to somebody just for it seems some sort of revenge some sort of weird sick pleasure in seeing other uh, other people's relationships suffer um because yours suffered because you are holding on to some grudge that enough that's enough why bring these like the finance uh, that's weird to me it's it's unnecessary it's just like an unnecessary argument 
There is also an interesting dynamic on the after show because, first off, I highly recommend the after show because the husbands have after show confessional interviews, which I think is just magical. I 100% am into it. And, you know, if like New York City was the extra um, housewife on Real Housewives of New York, then the, you know, seventh housewife or sixth housewife on New Jersey are the husband. It's the husband. It's like the uniform husband. But, you know, there are there is still the argument being made that Teresa did not strategically tell people this and think of it in advance of the event that she genuinely just started talking about it without a thought to like, this is the thing that I want to become a thing amongst the cast, which I think is so interesting because. Margaret said it and I want to say who was Margaret paired with she might have been paired with Jackie and Jackie was like go fuck yourself absolutely not and Dolores said it and Teresa was like yeah 100% and when Dolores says something and she's like swear to God yada yada I kind of believe her because I don't think that she Dolores is an honest person who I don't see ever lying to herself let alone us about a situation unnecessarily, which makes me wonder, like maybe this was genuinely a thing that wasn't planned by Teresa that just kind of came out. I don't know. I think, yeah. Cause I do, I do agree that Dolores, her loyalty things are sometimes I'm like, this is a lot. You need to be able to call out your Mm -hmm. friends. You need Mm -hmm. to be able to like, like if your friend's an asshole, you could be like, I love you. I'll defend you to a certain extent, but this is indefensible. Don't do this. Mm -hmm. Right. But you're right. A a few others were like, I did hear something, but like, they're not messy. They're not, they, or they are, but different kind of messy. But like, I think somebody that a couple others said something, but then also some of them said "It, it is bullshit. Who was, maybe it was a Joe. Margaret's husband, Joe, the super said that he heard the same thing, but I think what he was actually meaning was that he heard it because he heard somebody talking about it because they heard it from Teresa. It does appear that the source has always been Teresa. The question is about the reason, the strategy behind this. Was there a strategic reason for her saying all of this? Obviously she knew it would hurt um, her cast member, who isn't exactly a friend mm-hmm. in this friend circle, right. but I, the question is like, did she, did she start it number one, and is she doing it to fuck with Jackie number two? Yeah, I think I read in page six uh, a while back that peop- that there was um, like there was some like leak or whatever. Somebody like said like a, a source that Mm -hmm. Teresa was worried about her place in the show and like was worried that she was going to lose her job. Mm -hmm. So she had a, yeah. So she had to concoct something and this was a thing Mm -hmm. she concocted to kind of earn her like drum, like the thing, like the messy crown or whatever to keep Mm -hmm. her on, which I think is silly because like, I really doubt Teresa's going anywhere. They're not, they, Mm -hmm. she's so central to that, to that series. And I was actually very much looking forward to, seeing Teresa just be like single Teresa and like going out with guys and not engaging in like dumb bullshit. And I was like excited to see that side of her type to finally see somebody like free of like Mm -hmm. all this other shit where she's Mm -hmm. just like, I'm, I'm going to be fun and single this and that. So when she, when this got dredged up, I'm just like, this is so cheap to me. Like why, Mm -hmm. why, when we could have seen some other side of you instead of like the side, we always see this kind of this mean just 
<laughs> not super smart. Because the thing is, like, this is also clearly not very thought out. But she's also like not the sharpest. We could say that. Like, like there, there, there's just not a lot happening there. Mm-hmm. Um, and she's, yeah, like it's just so like haphazardly like whipped together of just like, oh, you know, you, I, I heard this. I heard at the gym, and like you see the reactions of just like you're just throwing this out there in a way that's not like, like even when you see on other seasons, like the women that are very cunning and very good at this, that really are good at this and they're very sharp and smart, the way they drop something in, oh, well, I heard, like take someone aside and you mention it here or this and that, like the way they like finesse it is just, uh, even if it's wrong and fucked up, the way they do it is just so much more strategic. And Teresa's just like stumbling through like two left feet, just throwing something and hoping it sticks. And, you know, I think that there's a diff, there's like a difference on Dallas when there's, there has been a weaponization of intellectual curiosity, which Mm -hmm. happened last week with Cam and Dr. Tiffany Moon. There is that dynamic. And then there's a dynamic of like, intellectual capacity Mm -hmm. which to me is not a critique of Teresa's uh intellectual curiosity or means as much as it is just a reasoning for the standard (laughs) within Teresa versus different franchises where she's just she uh, she's a different thinker she thinks differently. You're she's being more, very sweet and very it's generous. Just like a new, I just think like she's more guttural. Like when you think about Teresa, she is instinctive, which is the best and worst parts of her combined together. Like 100%. the mama bear and the woman who can't let it go because she literally does not understand the tools to apply, you know, like. Yeah. I just think that is who she is. She cannot be different to who she is. She should want to ideally be better. She can improve. She can be more respectful or communicative. She could potentially be vulnerable, but in in a way that's not defensive, you know, or like going to a thousand. But this is also who she is at the end of the day, you know, like Teresa can only tree, you know, she's only, there are only trees being planted in the garden of Teresa, Judice, 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 you know, it's, (laughs) there's not, there is not anything else that she is able to, or interested in growing in her backyard. Yeah. She's just like, I'm going to say it in way more plain speak. She's just like a dummy and like, (laughs) Or that, you know, okay, me, or that. But the thing is, like, um, she's the thing is, like, if it's like, okay, you're maybe like not the sharpest, whatever, but you're like kindness and intelligence are not the, you know, like, like, and I think it's like some of the stuff that she says it does or whatever. It's like the instinctual thing, yes, and like the fact that she's so like reactive is part mm-hmm. of why she's on TV, right? It's part of what makes her interesting and stuff. But she's also just like straight up mean. She's not like somebody that is, you know, has her moments or has her things or like has her little shit talk, whatever. But she's, you know, actually like, you know, in her heart, 
she's like actually a pretty kind person. I think she had like her ego gets in the way. And that's, a, it's a shame because when you do see her be sweet or kind, uh, it's like, okay, that this is so nice. This is like, oh, you're nice. And then like the double standards of like what she gets to do. But like, if anybody crosses her or anybody doesn't do this, like it's the double standards always drive me crazy. Like you didn't look out for me and like, you're not going to defend me. But then she's like, why should I defend you? That's a good realtor in the, like the last episode or whatever. Like she didn't say anything to me. Like, and again, it's just like those things that don't connect, like not understanding an analogy or not understanding what a double standard is. Like, I can't decide if she really doesn't get it. And is just like the, like the synapses are just like, and they don't connect. Or if she's purposely playing dumb because it, it suits her better. Because I don't think she cares. I don't, don't think it matters. Yeah, she's. I think it's just like she. I think to her it does not matter. I, I could see that. I think she just like wants to be right. And she's got to be right and get what she needs by any means necessary. So like, because at this point, like with the with the Jackie fight, like the way she goes hard, like that bitch said this, I will. Like she works herself up. And she's spinning. It's like a taffy pool in her brain that's taking this thing where she could, she could have just been like, I admit it was wrong, but I did hear that. If she was, I'm, I admit I should have maybe just taken her aside and not said it at the party. No, they first, well, they shouldn't have served me alcohol. Well, they shouldn't have done this. Like, And it's like this spinning of the taffy in her brain. And it's just like, at the end of the day, you just have a big ball of like, uh things i don't know well i mean if she acts out is it is the responsibility of whomever whomever she is near whomever loves her whomever considers her a friend to rewrite her wrongs and if it is proven that she was wrong it was an error on their part to not correct in the moment right you know it's an interesting And it's a boomerang that has always existed. It's something that Melissa talked about, I think, on the episode, if not the after show, like it it this is just who she is in these moments and in these scenes. She genuinely, with every ounce of her, does believe that if that person hadn't corrected her behavior, that is the reason that it all went wrong. You should have said something, you should have done better for me. And you are the reason that this has gone so yeah. left, which this is isn't that I said it wildly that you, consistent, wildly wild. consistent. Yeah. And it's funny because Teresa to me reminds me of like uh, this horrible person I dated where like many, many years ago, cause I learned my mm. lesson, but you know, people that like, I don't know what it is, but it's like, they believe they're lying. Like you could put them, it's like, a, mm-hmm. you know, they're lying. You have mm-hmm. all the receipts in front of them. Those motherfuckers could pass a polygraph. Those motherfuckers will like go to their grave, be like, that is not true. Like they just like in their soul has have decided that the thing that they made up or maybe kind of heard or maybe pieced together, whatever, however it may have happened, they will then take it like, this is, this is as strong as marble. This is real. And you're like, no, no, it's not. Like you have to admit this. You have to have some like level of under, like you have to think about this and the, and like, you know what you're doing, you know what you did. And like, no, no. And then you're just, you're banging your head against the wall because you'll never get through to them. You'll never get through them. And so it sucks because like everybody around her has like has accepted this is who she is. Just like as kind of we as viewers have, this is who she is, that she's never going to change. No amount of jail, no amount of shitty husband, 
no amount of like missing her daughters for a year, no amount of her beautiful daughter Gia trying to explain things to her in a, mm-hmm. in a very like thoughtful and insightful way. No Absolutely. amount of anything is ever going to change her. Like really, she is who she is. And everyone's just kind of like, this is what we're stuck with. And that's a shame sometimes because like, um, I, like when you have people like that in your life, it's so deeply frustrating because somebody gets hurt. And that person is never going to get the closure that they need. They have to work beyond it because that person's never going to give it to them. Can I ask you a question? Who, which is your, like, who is your housewife horoscope? Who is the person that you look at and you're like, this is who I feel so connected to. And that can be a positive thing. And it can also be constructive. Like, who is your spiritual housewife? Uh, Past, present, whomever. Portia Portia? Mm-hmm. tell me more how do, where is the <laughs> connection in your um in your uh understanding of your connection to her I think in like um I a I love Portia because she's super fun like I am a turn up queen just like and I, my ass is old like but I well I have <laughs> I still like with like when the the everything aligns it's nice enough whether I've had just enough drinks mm. I a bitch will climb a speaker at 36 years old almost 37 years old like I I was like I I when I go out with when I'm with my girlfriends and we've like would be in Palm Springs in California it's like topless or drinking we're stoned we're like having the best like and it's always like in me to be like I want to make this the most fun as possible Mm-hmm. And so it's like, and luckily my girlfriends are the most beautiful, wonderful, amazing women in the world that are also like, let's just have fun. Like no one wants to start shit. Everyone wants to have fun and feed each other and take care of each other. And I love that about, about that. But I think it's like a combination of that, a combination of like, I have always been like, so even in high school, I was out there like protesting like mm-hmm. from a very young age. So a few years back with the Underground Railroad comment, I was just like, that's pretty bad. <laughs> that's like pretty bad. Mm-hmm. But I think the thing is that I see in her now is like that I see myself in is that she's fun. She's honest. She's grown a tremendous amount, even in the way she like is like, you know what? I'm not going to deal with this. I said, I like, I, I'm going to defend what I said. I'm going to say what I said, but in terms of going back and forth with Kenya, she was just like, I'm just going to not deal with this. Like, um, I know your worth, you know, your worth, you know, like knowing her worth, no understanding, like what she brings to the world, what she brings to her family, what her to her friends. Like, I think that's like that confidence in her, the fun spirit in her and the like sense of social responsibility and Mm -hmm. sense of wanting to make this world better is why I see myself so much in her. You know, what's so interesting about you, um, bringing up Portia because your work with vice is different from anything that I've seen other reporters and journalists do when it comes to covering all things Bravo and pop culture in this way, where you do have a definite lens in unpacking what's happening on TV with an interest in discussing the social responsibility of reality TV stars. And you have done so consistently as pertaining Bravo where it's not a special article about, but a continuation of a conversation that in many ways I think you started because I don't know of any other writer who has talked 
over the course of several franchises. Like I have read so many amazing pieces about the Kelly Dodd of it all, but you are continuing to unpack the idea of us being responsible when we have conversations dealing with race, cultural differences, diversity, and it being about more than Kelly. Like, what's the overall narrative? So when you're talking about your connection to Portia, I see that playing out through your work because it's you're you don't you're not necessarily a full-time peach holder (laughs) although you see yourself spiritually so and I love you for it but it's also on like how do I use my own voice in and the platform that I have to talk about the things I love which is the language of Bravo but also the connective language of us all so my question to you is when did that begin specific to your work with Vice? Has there been a change or an evolution of how you've discussed culture specific to the Bravo world? And uh, why do you think that happened, if so? Mm, well, A, thank you, because that was really sweet. And I, I appreciate um, that you, anybody reads that you read and that you even notice that I do anything. <laughs> it's always just like, <laughs> I don't know what it like, whatever. But it's one of those things where like, it's not even just in my work, like the sense of social responsibility is something I try to mm. carry in every facet of my life. And I've long been mm. and it's been from a m- way before my years at Vice, way before my years ever doing any of this kind of writing when I first started writing or and stuff. It's just like, I think about things like if I'm going to live in this neighborhood, or if I'm going to be in this place, like, how am I going to make sure that I'm giving, that I'm giving to it as I'm taking, like, I'm very much of the belief of being community-based in mm-hmm. that, like, um, we look out for each other, we understand each other, we, we discuss, we, we understand context of, like, um, why we're here and, like, w- what can we do to just make something better than what we left it, right? And so when it comes to, like, probably, I think, I mean, Here's the thing, like people tend to take these shows, these, um, and it, it goes beyond Bravo. It's like The Bachelor. It goes back to like VH1, Rock of Love and Flavor of Love, whatever. People think of these shows as just like, who cares? Write about something more important. This doesn't matter. This is not important, this and that. I mean, and I see that sometimes even play within media. The first, the first teams to get sometimes cuts are those culture teams because they think news is important, but these things aren't, aren't important. Uh, but like the fact is like these are the shows that we talk about that we consume that reflect our world to us and maybe that reflection isn't right that maybe that reflection is bad and that has an impact on viewers um, especially viewers that are not seeing themselves represented well or represented at all and so for me um, I yeah, uh, like I, I've always been a reality TV person. I was like always super into it for since I was younger, and uh, I'd wa- watch and and devour and just be like talk about it endlessly with friends. And I would laugh, and then sometimes I then you start thinking like, okay, why am I laughing at this? Am I laughing at somebody at the expense of a black woman? Like, like why am I laughing at this like flavor of love thing right here that's happening, right? And it's like, let, let's unpack that. Let's unpack what we're enjoying. Like, and so I, like as a classic overthinker, I wanted to understand that. And I wanted to understand how, when we watch these shows, 
we reinforce stereotypes or negative uh, narratives or any certain ideas about certain people. But then also like as viewers, when we laugh, what does that say about us? What does that say about what the world taught us? So I've always just kind of been like that. That's always been the case. Um, and then, um, cause I've been at Vice now two years, this year will be my third year here. Mm. And, um, my job here started, like I came in as an editor, I was mostly assigning stuff. And then through shifts, I started be, I, I shifted into a writing full-time writing and, um, and yeah, it was like, let me find my place. Like, let, what are the things that are important to me? What are the things I care about? And because, um, before, um, when I was like a full-time freelancer, when I was an editor at a Latinx publication, when I was at the Alt Weekly that I got my foundational start in, um, I wrote about race. I always wrote about race. I always wrote about racism. Uh, I wrote about representation, representation. I just wrote about it in some different facets, either within the art world or whatever, um, other forms of culture. Um, and so uh, I, um, it's always mattered to me because as a woman of color, as a, you know, uh, I'm not like quite, like my parents are immigrants. I, we, we re-immigrated to, for, I'm, I grew up on the border. So I was in both Mexico and the US. I was crossing the border every single day to go to school. I was born in the US. I grew up from the age of 12 on in Mexico and I crossed the border. So I had like this perspective that was very, uh, very common, but also very unique. And so um, I've always had to look at the world a little bit differently um, and have to traverse two worlds, two cultures, two languages, two everything uh, and do the code switching and do all of that, right? So um, I think that's just like, it's always informed my life mm -hmm. to look at things this way. And I, by nature of just like being a person in the world that this affects, and also being a person that devours pop culture. Like I have been like, when I was a little girl, my parents would, or my siblings rather, would um, give me units of measurement by TV shows. So it would be like, oh, we're gonna drive to Los Angeles. And they'd be like, that's four Saved by the Bells. Oh my God, I love that. Like that's the way they explained units of measurement to me. That's was like, incredible. Yeah, like I I was raised by TV. I had two working parents. I, you know, it was a household that was just sort of like, my siblings were way older. My siblings, there's like a fairly big age gap between me and my siblings. So I was very much alone. So I was like, all, like I was all day watching TV. I was all day just consuming, consuming stuff. And I loved it. Right. So it like, so, but you start when you grow up always seeing like the versions of you don't exist. And then you start thinking like, well, why do I like this thing? But there's the things that are supposed to reflect me. I don't like them. I don't like the way they reflect me. And that's, I don't like that. And so you, these were always questions. And so, um, I think it's always been there, but like by nature of like working at a, in a newsroom where you start crafting beats, you start kind of like, you, you end up taking the thing that are your interests mm -hmm. or the things that are your points of expertise and you start crafting a beat. And I think that's what ended up happening. It's like, I already love pop culture. I love reality TV. I care about race and representation. So when it was just like, oh, you should write more about reality TV. I was just like, okay, but I need to do this in the way that feels meaningful and um, true to myself. A lot of people cover. 
uh, cover, especially Bravo. Brian Moylan does an amazing job. Oh my God. I love president of the Institute, president and founder for a reason, president and founder for the reason. You know, like I wouldn't, I'm never going to. He's the OG. He's he's OG. OG. Like, and I've sat, I remember having lunch with him once and just being like, you're, I, I, you're the best. (laughs) Like, you know, you're just like, you're the best. Um, There's, you know, who's it? Tracy and Morrissey who worked out with us for a bit. She covers it pretty, um, she covers consistently. There's a lot of people that do it. There, who is that vulture? Um, Catherine Van, um, I always fuck up the sec- second part. Oh, I know who you're talking about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She's always covering a lot of that. And it's like really beautifully, beautifully done. And they touch on race and they touch on things too, but they, they do the recaps or they do the jokey stuff, they whatever. But I'm like, let me do this the way I know how to do it. And the, in the way that is important to me. And hopefully that resonates with people. And um, my perspective as a woman of color and as somebody that has dealt with racism that is long been fighting to like eradicate, like eradicate racism from like the many, every single place that it permeates in our culture by fighting it and being very exhausted. Uh, like um, those things are important to me. So that's what it was like that that's what it was it was just me being told like you know what you're so good great this is what you care about you should do it and I was just like if I'm gonna do it I'm gonna do it the way I care about and hopefully that gets me enough traffic that no one fucking bugs me anymore (laughs) that no one gives me shit and I have enough of the like the traffic the clicks whatever that my bosses and my higher-ups are not gonna like give me a lot of crap about and that it actually is like continues the conversations that was extremely long-winded I'm you know but it's not at all it's interest it's interesting and nuanced you know it's it's your story you know it's which is important when it comes to the continuation of the conversation or really just opening up the conversation specific to how your life and who you are and being a woman of color has influenced the ways in which you want to talk about these things is there a conversation that you feel like is missing from the Bravo community or from the network itself that you would, that you wish to see or that you'd like to see? Well, I mean, we know that the network itself has not been great when it comes to addressing its, mm-hmm. its own faults and, or uh, coming forward to say, this is not okay. Mm-hmm. It leaves it to the stars to do it, to, to its stars. And sometimes it gives them the platform through like watch what happens live or stuff. But I feel like, um, they still have a product, right? And so they can't shit on their product, which is like, okay, yes, but you can say something. You can say something. So I think sometimes like in every conversation I've had, not just with friends, but most importantly with people that follow Bravo, like people like you and, you know, the the girls behind Bravoing together and, um, Victoria, who I just spoke to at Asians Who Watch Bravo mm-hmm. and others, like the the constant thing is just like, why won't they do more? Why won't they say more? This is not okay. When I speak to um, the, when I've interviewed like the stars of the show, you know, like the, the, the different stars of the different shows, um, they have to obviously play nicer, but you, you see like, I mean, Nene Leakes is like going off and she's just like on, like, I am going to take down this, power or whatever you know Mm -hmm. and I think there's like those are there's a reason why people feel a certain way and there's a reason why fans get very frustrated um I wish those conversations were 
I don't, I don't know how they're being dealt with behind the scenes, but I wish that they were figuring something out to um, have the conversations better and to like take a stand in certain, certain, um, certain um, conversations. Do you think it's the network's responsibility to be held accountable for the behavior of individual talent? 100%. I mean, it's at least partial because they're the people giving these people platforms. They're through their um, backing of this person, through them putting this person on air, they bear partial responsibility. They can't control what somebody says or they can't control how somebody thinks necessarily, even though I mean, Hollywood, like, like they've never, like no one's ever done that. No one's gone on the phone and said like, I mean, think of like Taylor, Taylor Swift, right? Mm-hmm. Obviously complicated there, but in her documentary, how she talked about like her label said she was not allowed to speak on any politics. She was not allowed to say anything. And she followed suit because she didn't know she had a really a choice and, or the power. And she was very young. So if you're 17, 18, 19, 20, you might just be like, oh, like I, I don't, this is what I'm supposed to do. Right. Um, and then she just gained enough power and maturity and, and time that she was like, fuck this shit. Right. It's very complicated. There's a lot there. And I could unpack a billion years about that, but we're not talking about Taylor fucking Swift right now. Uh, but like, um, but that's the same thing in that, like, we know that networks have long told their stars what to say, what to not say, whatever this and that. Um, at the end of the day, like they, I appreciate to a certain extent that they're telling, they're letting people be who they are. But at the, if they're giving them a platform, it's their responsibility to know and address who they're harming and how this is harmful. It's their, like there's an ethical responsibility there by, by producers, by network to be like, okay, um, this is a person like they don't, they may not have the same political beliefs as I, but okay. like. That's fair. They could say they could have their beliefs, you know, they they're free to have them and they could say whatever. But at some point when we're talking about very much harming people, very much saying um, harmful things that could damage or impact people around the world or in the country, sorry, like um, there's I believe there's a responsibility there. You think of like Kelly Dodd as another perfect example, spreading all this misinformation and stuff. It's just like, hey, during COVID and you're just like, hey, like no one's going to say throw up a disclaimer at the beginning of the episode, even just like Bravo does not like condone, like look at the CDC, whatever it is, people can have their things. But like your responsibility is to also be correct, like to make sure that information is that's being spread isn't given the implication by um validation the validation and the that by giving it the validation of putting it on the air you're implying that it's okay sometimes what's the barometer to counter in the sense that housewives the idea of housewives initially started with these women who ostensibly live perfect lives with wealth with quote-unquote happy marriages you know beautiful kids yada yada are actually dealing with a lot behind the scenes that is uh, the exact opposite that is mm-hmm. so much more fractured than what you might see of a person at a cocktail party or some sort of like event what yeah mm-hmm. and yet many of these women are celebrated for being anti-heroes when it comes to it, which is a different kind of woman's story than we typically see. And one that constantly is fighting against 
gender norms about women where you're supposed to be likable, even the ways in which we talk about these housewives, myself included, often lands in that trap that does seem to be gender specific of is she likable as opposed to is she empathetic? You know, like, am I empathetic to her story or in a different way? You know, is this person mean or bad? When it comes to the understanding that in many ways we celebrate these women and love to talk about them and it sometimes at sometimes exploit them because of the worst parts of their character how do you set the standard for countering that how how would a network or a person know this is i have a responsibility to counter this person's character because I personally feel like they're having a negative effect. Right. And, and I mean, I'll say like, I'll preface or say to your first point, like, this is exactly why we are fascinated by these women yeah. because th- this, like these Uber rich, like that's a world that I was never going to be part of or that I was never part of. Right. I, um, and, uh, so it's fascinating to like, see like that, like these people that are like so wealthy, whatever, and then kind of like get to go peek behind the curtain and then crack, see the cracks in the facade. And it's all fascinating. That's why we love it. We love these people because they're also characters. They're so, they're funny. They're interesting. Like people, women specifically, not, you know, these women, they are, it's not so cut and dry. And that's all women, right? That's all people. Mm-hmm. They're, they're nuanced, they're complicated sometimes they're right sometimes they're wrong mm-hmm. um and we're we watch them because they're really engaging they're really fascinating they're really funny they're really great or cool and sometimes you just like hate them like the thing is like i'm like fucking teresa what a bitch this and that but am i tuning in every week am i gonna talk about it every like am, like i'm just like endlessly fascinated by like how the the way the machine in her brain works the very janky machine. No, no, really. I'm fascinated yeah. by it and I love it. And like, I got like, I, I love, uh, Roni. I love Real Housewives in New York and what a group of kooks, right. Mm-hmm. Where you're just like, as somebody that's like very much like a leftist and stuff, I'm just like, fuck wealthy people. Like, like this kind of wealth is disgusting, this and that. But here I am like, let's see what Luann buys this way. Like, <laughs> yeah. It's just like this glimpse into the other, into the other world. I feel like there's room for both. I feel like we could call into question and hold people accountable and, and ask the questions, but we, um, because they are, they are people in the public eye and our society does shift. Like, whereas we might've watched these as kind of escapist sort of, uh, viewing experiences where, um, where this is like a glimpse into the, how the other side lives and like these weird fascinating fucking insane fucking Mm -hmm. kooky ass ladies whatever they're like you there's that right and you're just like okay we watch that but at some point you could be like hey maybe uh we maybe we should kind of also we we need to also address that this is not okay um sometimes the women do it themselves which is great what you like as an i'll use the example of uh luann doing like casual blackface (laughs) like where it's like Luann coming to a Halloween party or whatever costume party and where it's like "Mm, that's that's dipping that's 
that's kind of, you're doing blackface there. And Carol, because Carol being somebody who's a journalist, who's like, you know, right. whatever, Carol's being like, that's really offensive. I don't like, and Carol saying it, then it's like, the never, like it was said on this, on the show. The fact, the matter is like, and unfortunately, these are not culture critics. These are not people that we necessarily are being, are, that are being put on television because they know it, they get it, but you know, whatever. Um, but that's what makes someone like Carol, like Carol was like a great addition because she offered that. Leah has been the same, same exact thing where Leah has been able to be like, you fucking crazy rich bitches, right? Like, like the way, like her, that, like her taking them to like the Russian small was just like mm -hmm. such a like she's able to point their classism their elitism all of these things out in a really beautiful way in a really fun and funny way um Portia has been able to do so much great stuff in terms of like educating and bringing uh, attention to like causes of like black lives matter and like police brutality and those things like she's been able to be the conduit but um who's going to be that on o oc when you have well, and who is it on Dallas? And who is you it? You know, on, there's a difference. Well, Tiffany I, was that on Dallas to a certain extent, and then, but she's just, she got like, oh, it breaks my heart. It like crushes my heart to watch Tiffany try and try and try, and to and for everybody just to be like, no, like, or, or like, be so concerned with comforting Brandy, or even just be like, yeah, it didn't make sense. Like, it's it's crushing, especially for me as like. Carrie Britton, Brittingham is like, like, this is a white, this is a white Mexican woman, like, but like, I grew up with a lot of women like her, uh, you know, friends, moms, aunties, whatever. And it's like, it's disappointing, because it's like, you clearly have experienced stuff yourself, not just on the show, but off the show. Um, I'm, I'm gu guarantee I, any person who's Mexican has experienced something that's been like, a racist, uh, rhetoric or comment or whatever things said to them or microaggression yeah. microaggression whatever it is so the fact that she's like not doing anything to be like hey I feel you I understand what you're going through I let me try to finesse like the fact like it's really disappointing it's not shocking but it's disappointing but these things like are always going to be like disappointing right so I it, it hurts to see that for Tiffany because that sucks like she's doing a lot and trying yeah, and it feels like the season has been shaped around a redemption story for Brandy instead of an episode-by-episode episode moment of holding her accountable. Like, mm -hmm. Stephanie has a lot to say in her confessionals. But never to That her makes sense that she never says in the moment during the episode. And you mm -hmm. think about what happened with Leanne. The women in the moment never held her accountable. And you could say it's because of their defense mechanisms. They were shocked by what she was saying, yada, yada. But it there is also the reality that they didn't think it was going to be a part of the show. And in yeah. some ways, I don't know that Stephanie and her cast members thought that holding Brandy accountable was important when it came to actually taping the show yeah there is a narrative that's changing in these with the exception of deandra there's a narrative that's changing in these confessionals where these women are holding her accountable but they are allowing to present herself as a redemption story which is really difficult when you are doing so at the expense of 
a woman of color who is constantly being marginalized, critiqued, and essentially exploited in order to service this white woman who's trying to make good. That's tough. It's a very hard pill to swallow. It's hard to watch. It's hard. It's very hard to watch. And that's, again, that goes back to twofold. A, these are, um, these are people that are more concerned with niceties, politeness, loyalty. Mm -hmm. That's our friend. We have to whatever this and that. Right. Mm -hmm. So it's like, to me, it's like, if you're like, if you're my friend, but you can't tell me when I fucked up and be honest and be like, Hey, like this was not okay. And this is why, um, then that's that's like if you expect your friends just to be kissing your ass all the time and telling you you're always right or or just being politely like I did find it confusing like that's not enough you need to actually if you can say it in the confessional you can say it to your friend's face and you could say it and still be sweet and loving and caring my friends have definitely called me out on shit and I've done the same for them and we and at the end of the day those are still my right or dies right but these are also people their their egos are like very precious little Fabergé eggs. But this is also goes back to the network and to producers and editing. That's the way that they decided to edit this story. They made that choice. They didn't make like, they didn't make the choice to be like, here's this person that we're bringing on. We, we had just been hit with a very direct, like anti, like a very direct um, event of you know racism against Asians by one of our very cast members. Here comes this person. This person's going to speak on it and say whatever, but like let's really like focus on her um, in this way or, or in a different way. Like, and actually let her have like the moment to shine and have her personality and be it and whatever. But they they just that's not what happened. Like the and granted, like if that's what, what's happening with the women is like, they're all more concerned about Brandy than like, okay, then how, what are we going to do here to push them to have the conversation as to why? Right. Like, cause you know, they, we, you, we know they ask them questions. We know they like, maybe they set them up. All right. Like how, like bring this up. Maybe somebody bring this up on conversation. You know, we know that that happens to pretend that there's no like hand in there from the behind. It would be disingenuous. So I think that's what's been disappointing of that is like, like, cause the way it's being framed is like, we all agree and everyone kind of can agree that like, um, Brandy's doing like the way she's been doing, like going through her guilt, her white guilt or whatever is wrong. And she's putting it on Tiffany. And, but then like, like Carrie be like, if no one could give you a second chance, they don't deserve you or whatever. Right. And it's just like, okay. Okay, like it, it's it's hard to watch. I like I I just don't know. It's there's too much there. I like get I even get like overwhelmed sometimes. Like I'm getting overwhelmed right now. Just like what do you even do to fix that? Well, it feels like there are so many layers of problems specific to how this story is playing out. And Dr. Tiffany Moon, as I always call her, give her some respect on her name, is feels that she is being held responsible for and is also representative of her entire race, which is deeply problematic and is an, and is and of in and of itself racist. She should not Mm -hmm. be held responsible for 
the entirety of the response and pushback to Brandy's racist videos, which she has, which Brandy herself has called, you know, irresponsible, immature, whatever else. I mean, she could be the editor in chief of Teen Vogue because she's not calling out her pat and Google that guys. She's not calling out her past behavior for what it was. If you cannot in the moment say that this, what you did was racist because you were too afraid of being called a racist, there is a problem there. You know, it wasn't just that it was immature and in poor taste. They were racist videos. There's, mm-hmm. there's, it, 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 that is not me making a judgment. It is not, it is literally just looking at the evidence and calling it what it is. Right. And that's a difficulty from the start because if she feels like she's coming at it from a place of, immaturity and character or whatever else and you know fell into what sounds like a very dangerous cycle of um uh mental health and and needing to be treated for that for her guilt and everything else but we're not actually calling what this is what it is then that's that's difficult to come out of because you're starting with the foundation that's not based in actual accountability. Yeah. And then you're placing all the account- accountability that was built instead on this person who has nothing to do nothing with to do what it. you did. And you are holding her accountable for it because you are looking at her as a woman of Asian descent and not as an actual person, cast member, possible friend human being who has the, uh, the right. capacity and uh should be given the benefit of um of being allowed to feel things right. you know she's not she's just a vessel to them and she's a vessel that they have repeatedly tried to marginalize humiliate whatever else she has too much money not enough social graces she talks too much about her stuff but i'm gonna casually bring up my two thousand dollar sandals and we're about to jump in a fucking pond like it is so deeply uneven and also sort of not nuanced that it's upsetting for a lot of people to see play out yeah and and like exactly right in that like Dr. Moon said this herself when I spoke to her in um, the piece that just went up on uh, Friday, um, my interview with her, and that like she, Brandy didn't care to be her friend, didn't care to know, like really meet her or know her. I don't think that made it into the story, but she's like, it really just became like she became this figure to her. That Tiffany became a figure. Tiffany became this figure that represents her transgressions. She never was able to look beyond her her own trend. Brandy was never able to look beyond her own transgressions to see Dr. Moon as a human being and all the grace she offered her of being like, this was not okay. Let me explain to you how I've dealt with this, the racism and microaggressions that I've suffered that um, this is why it's hurtful. I don't think you were maliciously, intentionally trying to hurt people or trying to whatever, but that doesn't mean it makes it okay. It's a very tone deaf. It's not okay. But this is how I feel. Like it was always there, but then it was just like, I think the thing that's so frustrating is like, how much more grace could she have given her? But even then, it's like at every point, she, Brandy and the other women to different extents, we're working to discredit Dr. Moon's Dr. Moon. Cause if it's like, cause if she was like a total bitch, that's like throw like she's rude and told everyone to leave at 10 30 at night, 
So that it's just like, those things are like little things I feel like are serving to try to discredit her. The thing with like the pills, like I was dying when she like, Brandy has this tearful thing like, oh, it, like when she's like, oh, this is a different pill than the one you gave us. Oh, cause this one's the ODT, whatever. And she makes it this thing like, you're implying that I'm drugging you. And it was like, what? No, like, but those are all these things. Like to me felt like you wanted it, you brought in this person to give this other person a redemption, this white woman who's weaponizing her tears, weaponizing um, her mental health and her struggles to hurt this other person. Like it's being weaponized. And they're, and everyone's taking part in discrediting Dr. Moon because, and the thing is she never at any point said, fuck you, you fuck, you're a bitch, you suck, I, I, you are racist, whatever. She did so, she did everything she could. Because she's representative. She doesn't, she doesn't have, she doesn't get to get away with doing the dumb shit that other women in that cast do. Because when she does, it's 10 times worse. She is currently being criticized for not lowering herself enough to these women. Even when she leaves because she is trying to set a basic standard boundary for herself when she has been repeatedly humiliated on that stupid fucking trip and not even ruin and I'm dead serious not even ruining like what could have been her favorite dress will make them happy when she is saying I felt harmed I was upset by what happened to me Mm -hmm. and how you treated me Carrie's response was but you didn't say goodbye yeah and it was like not even being allowed to leave and set a boundary because that is offensive to the other women that is a that is a bad environment when you are being critiqued for wanting to find basic safety in your soul that sucks the fact there's no empathy the fact that there was not a follow-up sit down with carrie talking to brandy and being like that what you did at that dinner was Mm -hmm. wrong that was rude and that was not okay that there was not any one of the women a sit down a follow-up sit down to be like hey we're going to talk about what you said and what you did and why that's not okay. No, what we got was Carrie saying, you didn't say goodbye. That was extremely rude. And that was very disrespectful. It was disrespectful to leave after you were like completely, like you were forced to jump into the lake. You were, you were trying everything to make these people happy and it wasn't enough where you sat on a table and had somebody try to blame you for their own, like, try, like for not forgiving them enough like for making them feel uncomfortable when clearly you're just awkward around any Asian person, apparently, like um, to put it on her, like nobody thought to have a sit down and be like, we need to like fucking set our friends straight. No, Mm -hmm. they were worried that somebody left early. What the fuck is that about? Yeah. And there, and there's no actual, it's, it's, I would be curious to know, where the guiding was when it came to Stephanie's confessionals. Does she actually feel this way? Which I think she really does. Does she have the capacity to hold Brandy accountable? I do think she does. Why is she refusing to take off her kid gloves? Like why, why is that happening? And is it going to go on for the rest of the season? My guess is yes. I mean, you just came out with this piece in conversation with Tiffany this weekend, which I'll post in the show notes so people can easily access it and read it um, after listening to this episode. In talking to Tiffany about her experiences filming the show and attempting to develop relationships with these women, was there anything that you said 
that changed your perspective of watching this season play out or did it just deepen your opinion and potential frustration? Yeah, the latter. <laughs> it yeah. really was. And like the thing is like um I think everyone's treating Brandy with kid gloves because you know it was like I she's saying she you know had considered ending her life, her mental, she had to go. Which is serious. Nobody's Those taking all... that away from her or trying to devalue right. it or discount it in any way. And sorry, sidebar, that's why she sought mental health treatment. We are using this LOL, terrible idea of going to rehab for racism. That is not to my understanding why she went. She went away because she was seriously struggling with her mental health, which no one is critiquing or criticizing. Right. It's the reverse of that. The critique is that, you know, there's potential to like go to Canyon Ranch and come back and really understand the nuance of racism and microaggressions. But sorry, go no. on. I just wanted to make sure that was clear. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm just imagining like what facility are they sending you to and to watch like The Help or some bullshit fucking oh, yeah, white is, savior uh, movie, right? Right. Like, okay, cool. Great that they. A movie directed by a white man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. You know, like that's to me, it's like, okay, like so her she's going to the mental health facility because of the extreme stress and anxiety and depression that came as a result of the backlash of her mm -hmm. racist statement and and having and like the accountability thing clearly it didn't quite work in terms of understanding like whose fault this is or like and like, but that's not the problem is that's not why she went. She's not any further along in her journey than she was when this happened no. because she's not having actual conversations or listening to people who are really affected. It's all through the lens of figuring out how you can be okay and navigate these things without thinking of self-harming, which is important, but has right. nothing to do with being anti-racist, right? Nothing to do with it. So we're expecting that she is capable or has capacity to understand the nuance she doesn't, she doesn't. but the important thing is her friends do but we're her not friends. seeing that counter in the moment so we're continuing this really unfortunate conversation which is actually problematic for people who deal with mental health that's not directly related to an environment and case specific story as what we understand of a woman who does need and deserves to be held accountable for racist behavior because it's clouded in all of this other stuff, which makes it a really muddy story right. to understand and tell. And that's Sorry, the thing. I had to, I had to have the moment. You, it's okay. Have the moment. Um, no, I, and I, I mean, I think what I'm getting to is that like they're holding her with these gloves because of all that, because they're like, she's really hurting and she went through this thing and she wanted to harm herself, this and that. But at the end of the day, she's still harming others. And that, none of that care, none of the glove, none of that is being given to Tiffany, Dr. Mm -hmm. Tiffany Moon. It's not given to the community that Brandy Redmond harmed. That same care is not like not even a semblance of it because what happened when Dr. Moon came there and just like, yeah, sure. But let's just fucking pick on her she's already dealing with this like very uncomfortable conversation about racism where she has to be the conduit to the conversation where she has to be the person that comes and gives this person redemption or the opportunity to like grow and change and like thrive whatever fucking word she said but they're like then they're just like you you don't host well enough you have no centerpiece gross you're gonna make us eat chicken feet gross you're gonna make put a cricket thing 
your cricket and pizza gross. You're going to do this. Like, it's just like constant, like constant zeroing in on her. Where it's just like, you're giving her nothing, none of the, none of the sort of care or compassion or empathy that you're giving to the person that she harmed that, you know, that given the person that harmed her, sorry, you know, and that's like the thing where it's just very hard to watch. And you're just like, what is this? What is this? You cannot like say that you, this person deserves compassion, that Brandy deserves a level of compassion and a second chance. Well, you're not even giving this person a first chance. You're also expecting that she's constantly vulnerable to your expectations of her with Oh, where he, somebody's outside. Brooklyn, baby. No, it's just Stephanie us. heard. It's like Travis Woolman <laughs> outside with a fire truck ready to climb on in and give his side of the story. Um, it, it, it's wild that they are expecting her also to want to and actively become vulnerable for these people who have constantly targeted her mm -hmm. and not allowed her to even be, God forbid, an individual person. Right. And watching her have a breakdown on that trip and That's open so up about the fact that her parents always, you know, looked at her through the lens of um, her accomplishments, success, yeah. her accomplishments, her money, what she can provide, how she can provide for the mm -hmm. family, knowing that a day earlier or in episodes earlier, whenever these women were making fun of her and uh, essentially punishing her for that same wealth, the right. fact that she has worked her ass off to be a model example, literally model in quotes example of uh, the perfect child and a success, capital mm -hmm. S, and then watch these women try to tear it apart where a basic tour of her closet that my guess is Stephanie has done on bravotv.com. I know she has, as many of these housewives have done. Heather Dubrow has a YouTube series called Heather's Closet, and we fucking love it mm -hmm. because we want to see the bells and whistles that are attached. That's and that that is an important part of escapism and something that a person shouldn't be held uh, responsible or punished for when all of these women are exactly the same way. What is the difference between Tiffany having 15 Birkin bags versus um, which she has worked her ass for with several degrees, graduating early, perfect scores, uh, award-winning anesthesiologist, always, you know, uh, honored in medical journals, whatever else, versus Cam talking about a $7 million house that, Spoiler alert, my guess is she hasn't put a nickel toward. Yeah. Tiffany has worked for this stuff. And P.S., I don't even begrudge Cam because that is her choice. That is a situation and a dynamic. She is, uh, she gets to decide. She has the benefit of getting to decide whether or not she wants to work out of her home. And now she started these other businesses and Mazel Tov. I hope the dogs are currently no longer shitting pink, which was an <laughs> Amazon review that was consistent through Sparkle, whatever. But Tiffany went another way. She decided she has the right to make choices about how she wants to spend the money that she herself has earned. She right. doesn't she it is unfortunate that she is shamed for that and not even allowed the benefit of having a basic housewife arc. Yeah. And it's like it's the double standard. It's the thing like um, that 
requiner or asking that she shrink herself, that she shrink mm-hmm. herself, that she make herself less mm-hmm. to make them comfortable mm-hmm. because she's richer than them or she has mm-hmm. more, she's more accomplished than them. Like, oh, don't like when you correct my, when I use the wrong word, that's mm-hmm. just like rude and this and that where she's like, I'm just like, I don't know, like blew a casket. Like everyone was able to laugh about it, right? Like uh, on Real Housewives of New Jersey. But it's here, it's just like, you're holding your smartness against us and you're making us feel bad about ourselves. But so that's like, you're asking her to shrink herself. You're asking her to be okay with a complete double standard. You're stripping her from the opportunity to be a normal ass. Like the thing she told me was like, she felt a little like robbed of that like, I thought we were going to do fun stuff and go on trips and stuff. Instead, she had to carry the emotional labor of constantly discussing race. My job, in my job, in the work that I do, the work that I've chosen to do, I discuss race and racism and representation. Do I want to do it all the fucking time? No. And like, but it's because it's like, as women of color, myself as a woman of color, like, yeah, I don't want my, like, I want to be able to also just enjoy a thing without having to think about it or without having somebody constantly asking me like to explain racism to them. Like I sometimes I'd be like, Google it. Like, I'm not here to be your Google. Like when these things are Googleable, I'm not here to give you like whenever you want at the drop of a hat, the explanation or the like the redemption or the like, then be okay, let me just give you the time. Like, I don't have to do it if I don't want to do it. But she wasn't even given that opportunity. She's like, like she's forced to do the emotional labor because even when she's trying to have fun and trying to be a girl's girl, it gets interrupted with this conversation about Brandy. Every time she's just like, I just want to let loose. I'm just trying to do the thing. And then suddenly she has to defend her, the, the food of her culture and that it's a culturally like normal food. And then they're like, well, no, like, oh my God, when, Bre- when Carrie did the whole thing of like, well, I'm Mexican or well, this and that. And it's just like, you're not, you can't get away with that here. Like I was like, I was disappointed as like a Mexican woman, but I was just also disappointed of just like, leave her the, fu- I don't know, just leave her the fuck alone. Let her just have a moment. Let her just, ing- and like have the thing she wanted to have, which was like, you know, she's working an extremely high stress job. Which she's gotten shamed for, which Carrie shamed has repeatedly to this, every episode following, someone has figured out a way to slide in the idea of shame. The only person who has blatantly immediately said absolutely not is Mama D. Mama D shut it down. Was like the only one. You cannot tell me that being in charge of people's lives or seeing all the death and and that you're seeing in a hospital, you're just as busy. Like, well, we are all busy. Like that is bullshit. Come on now. That is bullshit. Everyone has their things that they're dealing with. Uh, No one discounts that. Not even Dr. Moon discounts that. She's like, I know everyone's going through shit. Everyone has their things to go. But let's have some fucking perspective and some self-awareness. You are not, you might be struggling and having a hard time with your house selling or with your, um, your child having depression or whatever. You're not witnessing death on a daily basis. That there's a let's just be like I understand I'm having a hard time I understand that you're also, you're having a hard time and that it's a very different and very difficult I can't imagine I'm so sorry you know that's and, all it takes yeah and this has been like a diff- disappointing season in many ways to watch because she has Tiffany has had such a strong first season and is such an interesting addition to housewives and being a doctor 
and having the life that she has and the intelligence that she has and the value that she has. Is this ever, is there ever going to be a counter within the cast? Because right now I feel like Deandra's doing overall, I think a really good job of being a strong ally. She's the only person in the moment who in the moment in the scene, BCC Stephanie Holman was like, this is not, Okay, I didn't on Brandy. I didn't understand what you were saying and neither did Tiffany. I think Mm -hmm. that was incredibly important to hear. Is this ever going to get anywhere or are we going to get into a reunion cycle where these women continue to gaslight Tiffany and speak to her experiences while trying to teach her and punish her for having some? Is there ever going to be a light that comes out of this? I I, I don't know. I, I really have my doubts because at the end of the day, Tiffany or sorry, Brandy cannot divorce herself from her own feelings and her experience. So it's just like she wants to hear the thing that makes her makes it better. But like how they like how Deandra said, like she needs that for herself. She can't put it's not Tiffany's responsibility. It's nobody's responsibility. You have your shit. And she's trying to find any reason to make herself feel better by putting, taking it away from her and putting it on somebody else. Right. Mm-hmm. And this person being uh, Dr. Moon, it's just, and it's just because also like t- Tiffany's more than this. Tiffany is not just a, like, she's also like funny and fun and sassy and she's trying and she's just like, like, I, I think she really wanted this to be her opportunity to be like, with girls and have fun and not, and like, let me go out to lunch and let me get like a little drunk and let me like dance around and like, let me have that moment that I, that she didn't really probably get to have, you know? And, um, and yeah, like, so it's just like, you, you, you feel like the, like, I just like at the moment she starts feeling comfortable where she's like, mm-hmm. okay, I'm, I'm getting embraced. I think we're good. Something always that like, comes to tear it down. Well, the moment that she's, they are constantly deflating the balloon and then Brandy calls the balloon boring. Yeah. Like Tiffany is in a position and trying to constantly reset and turn. She gives grace to absolutely everyone because if she doesn't, God forbid, she doesn't uh, amplify the messaging that's coming at her, which is harmful to her. She's further punished for it. So she is trying to do she's taking in what they are forcing down her throat she's trying to push it back and mirror it back to them in a way that they themselves won't be triggered so god forbid they don't feel because god forbid they don't feel comfortable or safe or heard it's constantly about their own messaging and not protecting or defending her own because she's not in an environment where that is allowed they have removed permission and participation in that and for it And now when she's so beaten down because of their behavior, Brandy has to add on that little remark to her husband, which is, and she's boring, which I thought was so awful that in the moment and in the context of what we have seen as viewers within this framework of Brandy's redemption arc, she's Tiffany's being punished for not laughing and smiling as they further other her like 24 7 what the fuck did she jumped in a pond for you yeah I would not put my foot I am 
so fucking germ phobic or let alone what I was wearing. Absolute. I would. Yeah. I would flip, but I'm a white, I am a white woman. So if I said that my guess is that would be, there would be a totally different narrative arc. I would not be judged. My, the basis of my character would likely not be judged. And if it was, I would be allowed the space and room to tell you to shut the fuck up. You well, know like, what I'm saying? Well, I guess this is exactly to my point that I meant earlier. Like, it's the the many ways to try to discredit her. Like, mm-hmm. to try to do, like, well, um, because if she's boring and if she's not interesting or she's not having fun or this or not, not playing along, then it's just like, then she's not worth being there. Then she's not worth the time. And, and by me, by that account, it's just like, well, like, then the things that she's saying to Brandy is just like, well, we don't care about her. Like, it, like you know what I mean? They're using it to discredit the, the experience she's, she's had to, to discredit her like humanity or in her place on the show, especially as someone that's there to educate and challenge Brandy, right? But they're like, but it's like, oh, but if she's boring, then like, we don't need to listen to her. Oh, but if she's not fun, we don't really need to include her. If she's not like, you know, if she doesn't have the perfect centerpiece, then like, she's not really like worth having around. So then it's like, you're just like poking these things to try to poke mm-hmm. at her, to make her feel like less worthy of the time there. Mm-hmm. And then you also have her in these environments where the sole focus is become vul- becoming vulnerable and opening up. So I saw the preview for next week, just like the two minute preview online and there's a moment where there is a seeming breakthrough in the Brandy and Tiffany dynamic where Brandy is saying I'm not you're not responsible for my feelings of guilt and they have this moment and Tiffany gets to decide in the moment filming in IRL if she really wants to move forward and move on like we don't it is not our job or responsibility and it's not up to us to give Tiffany in any way permission to decide who she wants to forgive. Like right. that is Tiffany's choice and right. We do have the um, platform and we have the right to call out, you know, feel, maybe feeling aspects of this are, are disingenuous or not feeling like the whole picture is being told. But ultimately, it is entirely up to Tiffany to decide if she wants to move on, move forward, be vulnerable with these people if she mm-hmm. feels safe. We do, though, also have to acknowledge that she's doing so while being filmed for a TV show where there's probably an expectation and she's a very to tie it up woman with a bow, yeah. to tie it up with the bow who understands the ways in which these women are using the power and voices and alum status on Housewives to frame this arc of redemption around Brandy. How is it going to look for Tiffany if in this moment, God forbid, in this like circle of trust by the shaman hairdresser, if she doesn't say, um, I forgive you and I'm here for you and I want to open up. That is a lot of pressure and stress to put on a person who is already feeling pretty fucking marginalized and that's tough and also like the entitlement to her time and energy and her labor is the thing Mm -hmm. that like because at any point she had every right to be like I already had this conversation what she did in the Austin dinner I already told you I'm fine like how many more times do I have to tell you she has every right to be like yeah I I don't need to no we're not doing and also what do you think about me I am only hearing about how you feel 
feel about me, which is a reverberation mm-hmm. of how you feel about yourself. What do you think of me? Because yeah. I am also a person. I am not just a structure that you may feel oppressed by because you feel like you can't be as funny because you're now being held to account. Yeah. I am also a human person who is filming a TV show with you, who understands the pressure of being held representative for a race of people and also culture because I'm watching you guys play out that dynamic every fucking week, including in a lunch where I was literally trying to show and celebrate my culture with you, understanding it is one that you may not have ready access to or feel like you do mm-hmm. and I'm being punished for it I mean right. it's just fucking wild yeah. this show is wild and it's also an example of you know people watch housewives just to watch housewives they have every right to we have these huge you know uh communities many of which live in the world of social media and beyond right to exist god bless keep the convo going there are a lot of people who do not participate in the social media of it all who are not unfortunately reading articles about housewives and culture whose only understanding and experience of this are watching the episodes they don't participate in any kind of conversation or dialogue which is why it's important that in and in these moments if not on the reunion we see a little bit of a counterpunch because not everybody, I mean, not everybody's listening to Andy's girls is 99%. You know, there is the idea that we are willing participants in this greater conversation, but not everybody wants to read, listen to, and hear about it. So as we watch this stuff goes on, I think there's a groundswell of support for Dr. Tiffany Moon, but There's also a pushback, an enormous pushback of people who are sliding into her DMs, threatening her, commenting on posts, telling her not to make, quote unquote, everything about race. And yet these people who don't want to participate in that conversation, watch what the reunion is going to be about. They haven't taped yet, but my thought is based on the entirety of this season, a lot of this stuff is going to come out. Oh, absolutely. It's going to be discussed. It's going to be very uncomfortable um, for everybody. But like, um, I worry about what they're going to do with uh, Tiffany. I worry for her. Who's the they? Um, the, like the women. Like if they're just going to okay. continue to be like, well, she did like, that's the wild thing. It's like, she's not the one that made it about race. She came in just trying to share her culture. No, they're constantly making it about her race. They're making it about it. They're the ones like holding her to like bringing it up again. And oh, did you talk to like the first thing that was was like, oh, did you see the video? Did you see the video? Mm-hmm. Did you whatever? She's like, yeah, you know, and like, um, you know, you don't want to have to always answer for all these things. Like you want to have sometimes you want to fucking break. Right. And like, I think in the reunion, it's going to be like. Um, I think it'll be important and good and hopefully for her, like cathartic, which a word she knows what it means, thankfully, <laughs> a word she knows oh the definition of, um, but like she, it's, I hope it is, gives her the closure she needs to decide if she wants to continue or if she's like, you know what, this isn't for me. I hope it gives her the opportunity to kind of say her, her word, her last piece or her about the whole situation. Um, I hope that the, it doesn't become this thing where we're, they're going to re all over again, gang up on her 
and try to make discredit her and try to diminish like what she went through and their participation in it. Um, but I do hope that like the, you know, the separation and then reading and seeing what's going on maybe has kind of illuminated something that they, yeah, that's my hope. Yeah. Yeah, I, I hope it illuminated something that they hadn't considered before. Um, I don't, have high hopes for some of them to do that because some of them are just like they're not going to do that but um uh it's, I'm thinking specifically like Cameron Westcott calling her a tie sex worker maybe she will finally realize that she um that actually is pretty fucked up and offensive I think she might have apologized um whatever she said she didn't she said she didn't that was her apologies that that didn't happen which is very similar to Jen Shaw um cam- comparing herself to and her situation filming voluntary oh, like, tv show with George Floyd, George Floyd and then she's like I'm sorry if you heard that but it didn't happen which is very different from like uh this is literally what happened and yeah. I'm sorry I made that comparison yeah it's an alternate universe it's yeah. the glory of gaslighting but yeah, yeah Jen is also just bad at uh, articulating herself I think she just gets very emotional and very angry and understandably and whatever but I think she becomes her own worst enemy because she'll she blurt she's re- very reactive well, and she's also a spiritual but actually they both are spiritual echo chambers yeah Cameron feels something so strongly that she knows it's real because she believes it so it's absolutely true because she yeah. believes it very strongly right. and it's like this like fun little uh tornado uh tornado I don't even know what yeah. element of weather uh that I haven't experienced here in New York City um so you don't yeah so the the likelihood that cam is gonna get this is like slim to none but the hope is that stephanie at least i would think yeah the people that are like like there's people deandra i think definitely gets it. it deandra yeah. stephanie um i hope that um yeah i just i hope that at the end of this that more than anything tiffany gets what she needs mm-hmm. to feel like okay we're de- like I said I said what I said or whatever it is and like I I hope she gets what she needs I'm not going to be concerned about the other women but I want her to be okay and at least to be able to move on from this what was the sense in talking to her that um uh she's going to return next season um I I really don't I she's really kind of I think this whole thing really defeated her she's also like um so from what I told me, and I was just like, I, I had it, I found it really hard to believe she'd watched episodes here and there. She, she watched the season prior um, and took notes. Literally, she was like, I could show you the notes. Like I wrote notes, like a diligent, like a diligent student mm-hmm. that she always is. Right. Um, but she's not really familiar with that world. She's like, um, she thought this is a chance to kind of do like fun, something fun and interesting and to have a little like lighthearted, good time. And mm-hmm. to like, explore this other part of her that she wants to like develop right this like fun loving girlfriends you know girl um and yeah I this whole thing really left her defeated I think it really just disappointed her and it was really hard and it spilled it was so toxic she's like why would I do this to myself when you know she has like a she has a great husband she has her girls she has like her career she has other things mm-hmm. that like to her like I don't think I see her being fame hungry the way some mm-hmm. of these others are like where it's like this is fun for them because it's also like the attention is great and this and that I think she just thought this was going to be like a fun thing so she could share and, and, and do this thing share of her culture whatever and um also share herself who she is as a person and mm-hmm. who her personality is and what things matter to her and like have be sassy and and all those things and um yeah I get I don't know um she literally was like 
because I told her, I was like, well, I hope you get to have the Royal Housewives experience that you like. I hope you get to have a champagne shower. I hope you get to do the fun things that you want to do. And she was just like, uh, I don't know. We'll see. Like that was literally her last. She's like, uh, I don't know about that, but we'll see. I think a lot of it will also depend on how the reunion is actually shown. Mm-hmm. Like not just what happens during taping, but how it's reflected. Are we going to do a continuation of a Brandy redemption arc? Are we going to do a Brandy actually understanding and trying to, assuming Brandy shows up, by the way, which I think is slightly TBD. Um, but are we going to do Brandy understanding the harm of said arc and really making sure that Tiffany has the space and air in which to defend and explain herself and her own opinion without feeling like she's going to be further marginalized. Like, how is this going to, is Stephanie actually going to say words in the moment? Or are we going to have the first ever reunion confessional? Yeah. Like a little bubble of whatever, three minutes in it's going to be, it is, it's a real, I think it's a real, I don't want to say like crisis point for the franchise, but it's going to, really decide what happens with the future of these women because god forbid you know the season plays out as it does and tiffany doesn't feel like her voice was ever heard including on the reunion and if she leaves after this and this is what remains and is left behind like that's real tough that is i I really struggle with this cast and Tiffany for me has been such a light. I am a hundred percent a moonbeam, like a hundred percent. I think she is such an exemplary example of what housewives can be when it comes to the celebration of women who are kicking ass. And it's just been really, I felt kind of defeated because the overwhelming majority of Bravo content creators, podcasters, writers, um, social media account, primarily social media accounts, whomever are strong moonbeams in public conversations that I've had with people in private, people really want to celebrate and amplify Tiffany. And yet there is a groundswell of reaction against her by people who can only see cam, who only want to see the very specific white Barbie effect of wealth and celebrity and everything else who are not open to understanding or caring about Dr. Tiffany's perspective and story and watching that play out on some of her like reactions to her social media stuff is tough. So I don't know what's going to happen if she's gone, but I'm hoping that while she's still a part of the cast that we really give her the space to, um, you know, make sure that her story is heard. That's like it at the end of the day. Yeah, I hope so. And I, and this is where I I was get to like, um, um, that Bravo is doing uh, enough to support its cast when they're going through something like this. Mm-hmm. Um, and like, okay, how can we, like, that's why it's just like, there's, that's where I, I get into like the, like where I, well, I don't know what, what happens, the conversations, I'm not privy to any of that, you know, but it's just like, if you're gonna, like, there's this really harsh machine that comes with this in terms of like the public, how the public views and like, you know, social media, all of it. So it's just like, let's, how can we support these people? Because at the end of the day, um, especially with Tiffany, Tiffany has like no TV experience. Like when uh, I was very much prefaced at the beginning, like she did never had really done interviews. Like so they were just like, just mm-hmm. like, they were really like prepping her to like help her through this because- Was PR on the phone when you were- I believe, yeah, they were on the phone. Yeah. 
So like they never interrupted. They let her answer. They never said like, mm-hmm. you can't answer like whatever uh, in terms of race and racism. They like never said anything like that. The only thing they were concerned about was um, her speaking on other housewives from other franchises because she actually really doesn't know. Like she doesn't really watch that much. Like she doesn't mm-hmm. watch that much. And so, um, uh, yeah, like, so it was, it's, I, I see that they're trying to like make it easier for her, but like, it was like, this is just a really hard thing. And I just want them, I want to see that there's more going to be done at the, to like make the process within the shooting, within that what actually airs like fair, more fair, more just like there's room for the rich, super successful, badass, like doctor housewife. And there's room for the one that's like at home with a like dog clothing. $7 million dollar house. There's, I want to see both. You could I have it all. Both. You could have I all of it. I want to see all the closets. I want to see all the Birkins. I want to see all the shoes. I want to see all the Gucci. I want to see all of my it. personal aesthetic. I want to see all the Manolos. I want to see everything. I want to see, see all, of all of it. And then if we can have these conversations, great. And if we can look at this season and if these women genuinely didn't know better until some of their confessionals or even now if they they could have learned they could have learned something they could and they could still be learning like Mm -hmm. there is the possibility that there is going to be some sort of growth do I think that's going to happen because since the reunion started Carrie tried to sell some of her plastic bead jewelry by sending a photo of a $1,400 necklace with a snake on it to Tiffany and saying I think you might really like this essentially because you're a snake yourself um, do I think that Carrie with a K is going to learn stuff? No, but I'm focused on in that specific example, Carrie with a K donating the money that was the cost of the necklace, which was well over a thousand dollars to a charity and tweeting her back a copy of the receipt. You know, like, so my hope is that we get big queen Dr. Tiffany Moon energy at the reunion mm-hmm. and that these women understand that she has the right to share her story and the right to express emotions that are um, uh, separate from how grateful she should maybe be for being mm-hmm. with them on this show because that's coming forward a little bit and I don't really love it. My, there is the possibility that they will have learned. They may not have had the tools or understanding before, according to the social media that a lot of people have been expressing their way as well. You can't say that now. You now have information coming to and at you that you're also involved with as this story has, as the season has played out. You don't get to say that anymore. Mm -hmm. So let's see if they even care i think that's the 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 goal of the reunion is to see do they actually yeah do they care did they learn anything do they like we're all constantly learning we're all constantly totally oh my god every day every hour you know every every second of my life hopefully every day i'm learning something new yeah yeah like and, and also the responsibility of like, okay, so what are the questions that they're asking? Who are they going to really grill or how are they going to grow? Or like, how are they going to approach this? That's also going to be a huge turning point because I mean, how, remember with like the, the Potomac reunion, how people were very upset or, or annoyed at the way Andy was really going Monique. hard on Monique mm-hmm. without like, um, like just really going in on her work in a way that felt unfair. Right. And so it's like, let's just hope that like through this reunion, they are um, the questions that are being asked, like all of the things that are being asked. It's like that it's fair, that it's um, 
holding the people that should be held accountable accountable Mm -hmm. and that it's attempting to do right by the person most harmed and also understanding that we do not we should not live in a binary world when it comes to conversations about these women and i have held several of them including dallas dallas specific housewives to account as pertaining other issues relating to politics and the responsibility that you are holding your social media i at the same point have to understand the idea that that is not the entirety of a person's character. And that's something that I want to make clear. Not that I've ever thought that, but I just want to make clear now that we should not be looking at these women as caricatures necessarily because we're missing out on the conversation. And that also matters regardless of my political affiliation or theirs. And I look at someone like Deandra, who I take issue with, with some examples of, you know, using your platform in some way and not others and really want to um, celebrate the fact that she is being a true friend to me. She's being a true friend to Tiffany when she needs it most. And she is concerned less about protecting Brandy than she is about setting her straight in the moment, which matters so much more than a confessional. Understanding that the confessional alone is a bar that several of these women can't even meet. You know, like there's a difference between Carrie nodding and agreeing with Tiffany and even saying, you know, like the stuff that Brandy did was, you know, wrong and here's why. Days after the fact, when this person has left your event because she was so, your fourth 50th birthday party, because she's so upset about her treatment. When you are finally at a point where you're like holding Brandy accountable and it's not even to her face, that's not as great in the moment as what Deandra is doing. And I think Deandra deserves to be commended for it. I really do. I really think that this is like the kind of friendship that I needed to see. And I can't imagine how much, how painful it would have been to watch this season without seeing Deandra step up. Like it's been great to see. And for Deandra's benefit, I hope Tiffany continues for my benefit. I hope Tiffany continues for uh, the benefit of Tiffany's candle collection, which we'll get to. I hope this uh, Tiffany continues. If Tiffany doesn't want to come back next season, everyone I think would understand and appreciate Uh why. And at the end of the day, Tiffany deserves to be happy. She's worked her ass off for it. Seemingly the entirety of her life. I just want her to win and be happy and be healthy and be, and not, have to deal with bullshit and tiffany i just want to say that i do have a collection of like 70 manola blonics that maybe like you'll come over to my apartment one day um post pandemic <laughs> and we'll like have a kiki and talk but i do not own a single chanel oh i have chanel shoes but i don't own a chanel bag and i'm just saying if when you're doing your spring cleaning one of those quilted boys falls off the closet and you just want to throw some stuff away throw it on over to the upper yeah side. there just you go I have leftover. I have one Canal Street fake Fendi. Oh, do you? <laughs> oh, very. Um, Samantha of you, Sex yeah. in the City, little LA episode. Art. You know, that's uh, that's all I. That's what I'm working with, designer wise. I don't. Yeah, no. <laughs> I don't Remember when she went to the Playboy Mansion and like a Playboy Bonnie was like fighting with her over the um fake Fendi, but it was real, but it was fake again. Yes, I do remember that. But, yeah. 
yeah, good time. Oh, oh, a wonderful moment, a good time. Yeah. Um, listen, I could talk to you about Dallas and everything else all day, but since this is a seventeen hundred hour episode, and P.S. I've loved every second, I do want to get your small business satchel. So, guys, as you know, satchels over gold are listener thoughts and feels, questions and concerns that you bring to the table that I love to feature in episodes. And I'm going to do a Patreon this week with a bunch of bonus satchels because I have so many that you've sent in. And Andy Scrolls has also started this fun small business satchels which are highlighting small businesses local to your area or ones that you have experienced abroad so that we are amplifying small businesses during a time in which so many are uh, in dire dire straits so I have a small business satchel you have a small business satchel I have a listener small business satchel and guys info in the show notes for how to send them to me show at gmail.com send me the name of the satchel if you have their social that's great um and uh what they what these companies mean to you more info in the show notes and again that's andyscrollshow at gmail.com listen alex aragoza where is where and what and who is your small business satchel let's see i mean there's there's so many places that i rely on to feed me a late night pizza or midday pizza there's so many places that i like like we talked about the bodega um, there's so much there's, I wish I could give you 5,000 right now, but I know for mm. the sake of time, I just have to choose one. Uh, I'm going to, um, say my satchel goes to Govara's it's, uh, in Brooklyn on, uh, in Clint Hill. I believe that's Clint Hill. It's like Clint Hill bed very close to like that mm-hmm. order. Um, it's a woman in trans owned, uh, coffee shop slash plant store slash gift shop slash uh they do great donuts they do like little Mm. snacks it's just one of those like beautiful you know when you walk in and you're just like I wish my whole apartment was this Mm. and um I I just want the pink walls and I want all the plants and I want all the cookies on demand I had a delicious chai latte from there and (gasps) bought oh my god I need to go I need to take a ferry and social distance walk over it's so great it's like um I went I yeah go in there um here and there when I need to buy like a birthday card or a um you know I want to buy a plant or just like you know it's like a a good 30 minute walk from where I'm at in Fort Greene so I like to um yeah I I just love I love what they do I love what they stand for they represent and they do they do so much um, so yeah, there's, there's a million places. And all I could say is like, um, whatever your small business is, like, let's look out for black owned businesses, brown yes. owned businesses, trans owned businesses. Like, let's just look out for, for everyone in small businesses. And especially those that are, you know, really struggling during, during all this. Absolutely. And I have a listener small business satchel from Lindsay in somewhere, I think also in Wisconsin. Um, So shout out to you, Lindsay, who says, hi, Sarah, my friend just opened the doors to her brick and mortar plant store on Friday. This was sent to me last month on Friday in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. So one month anniversary ish of opening the plant store. She and her friends started this business during quarantine within months of surviving a brain aneurysm this business blossomed from their passion of collecting house plants themselves they feature handmade pottery from another woman-owned pottery studio in their store more collaborations are planned and in progress with other small businesses in the area 
Clover is located in the Bayview neighborhood of Milwaukee. Keep up doing the amazing work you do with your podcast and featuring small businesses. And she gave me some info on Clover, which I will include in the show notes as well. I will include your business in the show note for your small business satchels. You guys um, support them however you can. And following someone on Instagram is genuinely going a long way as well as tagging them in posts. Um, And my small business satchel is one of my favorite artists who I have in my, all over my apartment. Um, uh, the name is, his name is David Paris. He's a photographer whose Instagram account is vintage Ken and Barbie. And he takes Barbie dolls from the sixties and photographs them in these really amazing, fun, whimsical ways. Um, so the Instagram is, uh, at Vintage Ken and Barbie. And I have prints all over the place. They bring me joy. I love a little mod moment with a touch of sass. Um, his wife, whose name is Blasuta, does an amazing job with her prints too. So I'll include the social media handles for both of them. They're incredible, extremely budget friendly. Like these beautiful pieces of art. Prints are like 30 bucks. They're incredible, unbelievable. They bring me so much joy. I have them all throughout my apartment. I've given them as gifts and I highly encourage that you follow because his social media alone is a lot of fun. Um, and he has a huge social media following. So follow these, um, folks on social and include their info in show notes. And I do have to say, that because March is the month of my birthday, an incredibly important moment in um, time and uh, American history, if not global history, um, I launched uh, Sarah's favorite thing. Shout out Oprah oh, Winfrey. What a week you're having. This is the most important part of your week, I'm sure, um, which are some of my favorite uh, Bravo related, albeit from Bravo Lab or Bravo Holic. Um, items available to purchase run by um, uh, predominantly women-run um, accounts and small businesses, um, but all Bravoholics, really, I'm um, amplifying this month because when it comes to running a small business, especially one in the Bravo community, it is a very difficult thing to do. We want to amplify uh, members of the Bravo community, including those who are selling Bravo merch. And, you know, a businesswoman we may have discussed once or twice during this episode, Dr. Tiffany Moon and I just announced our collab on Instagram. You can win what you guys saw on this week, her aromathesia candles, which is so funny. Candles named after some of the drugs that she uses as a doctor. Um, in a box. So you saw her giving those candles as individual candles as gifts to the housewives. You get one better. We are uh, doing a giveaway where you can get yourself a six candle box, which retails for $200. The contest ends this Wednesday. So get on it info on how you can enter on our social follow dr tiffany moon and myself like and save the giveaway post tag three bravo holic fans in fans or friends in a comment and one of y'all is gonna win this huge fucking package and uh speaking of packages i have one in my apartment that i think was mailed to me from dr tiffany moon and i haven't opened it yet because i was gonna wait until my birthday but um every day is my birthday because i think i'm gonna open it today and put on social whatever saved so i'm very 
excited about that. Um, is it a Chanel? Probably not. But spiritually, maybe it'll smell like one instead, um, like money and power and success. Yeah. I would love a – I want a Klonopin candle. <laughs> Oh, yes. <laughs> Guys, slide into – let's find a Clonovan candle for this week's <laughs> guest, Alex Zaragoza. I think she'd love to see it. And um, so thank you to Dr. Tiffany Moon. I'm, I was so excited about this collab. I am so excited about this giveaway. Everyone that I know that has purchased one of her candles loves them to bits. I'm a vehemently as an adult. I grew up in a, um, you know, don't feel too bad for me. I grew up in a household where we were an anti-candle household. My parents put the fear and death of me as a child. God forbid I ever lit a candle. They would kill me before the fire did. But I am so excited to light a Dr. Tiffany Moon candle and do so safely in my apartment and stare at it and take in the glow and the power and the spiritual Chanel. Um, So I'm hopeful to do that uh, very soon. And guys, make sure to enter this um, giveaway because it's insane. Like this is insane. This is my favorite part of Sarah's favorite things, like doing this stuff. And any anytime I can um, pretend to be friends with uh, Dr. Tiffany Moon in my head, that's um, good for my heart. Listen, this was a 900-hour episode of Andy's Girls. Because I can't get enough of talking about you, how can people follow you online? Alex Zaragoza, Senior Culture Writer Advice. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Uh, let's see. So I am on Twitter. And um, it's, you know, at by Alex Zaragoza, just what you would see in a byline. Uh, you'll see the name Tijuana Max pop up because I am a Maxinista and also from Tijuana. So that's how I roll. Um, and I mean, that's kind of your best bet. Um, and then, you know, you can find my work at, on vice.com. Amazing. And guys, um, two and a half hours of Patreon exclusive Andy's Girls content went up this week, including conversations with Andy's Girls listeners who get to guest host on Patreon exclusive episodes, which you can do by leveling up to the people's people's couch level on Patreon. And yes, I have found another locket at Pippin Vintage and you guys know I need to buy it for my birthday because I am a sociopath and do and I believe very strongly in people's right to um, severe um, uh, uh, financial debt. So if you join that Patreon level up, you get the chance to have uh, to guest host on an episode with yours truly. And I get one step closer to buying another diamond. So amen. Um, P.S. Mazel Tov to the most recent winner of the Sarah's Favorite Things giveaway, uh, a Porsche Rising plate with Shop So Messy, one of my absolute favorite Bravo shops. Mazel Tov to Tim in Missouri, who won the uh, who's the AG who won the Shop So Messy plate. Shop So Messy plate could use to you. And guys, this was amazing. Oh my God, Alex, this was amazing. Listeners, I hope you feel like this was amazing. Comment on the episode um, post about this on Instagram at Dame Galley. This was amazing. Follow myself and Dr. Tiffany Moon so you can participate in the Candle Galore giveaway, which um, uh, is going on until this coming Wednesday. And hope everybody is a vaccinista. Ooh. If you qualify and get an appointment. Well thank done. Thank you so much. Thank you. Well um, shout out uh, Feisty Frank, who uh, works at Bravo, who um, put that as his um, vaccine picture post, and I just stole it. And I'm crediting him, which is um, what people do with content. Just a fun <laughs> little friendly reminder. Uh, guys, hope you're staying safe and healthy. And um, thank you for this conversation because it, I think it needed to be heard. And I very much appreciate you. And um, can't wait to read your future articles. And guys, we'll talk to you again soon. Have a great week. Bye. Bye.